Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... I think looking through the eyes of children and the way that they just naturally are in awe of nature, it's because they're curious. And I would just say to everyone out there, just maintain curiosity. Curiosity then gives rise to observation and questions. And as you start to take notice and question, then you can dive in to understanding more. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 298 of Impact Boom. My name is India Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Liz Kaplan from Third Nature Projects. Liz Kaplan is a creative producer working at the intersection of creative industries, environmental conservation, and community engagement. The interdependence of socio-cultural and ecological systems inspired her to found Third Nature Projects. For 17 years, Liz has conceived and coordinated projects where creative inquiry and practices have given voice to environmental themes, forming experiences for and between people, igniting ecological curiosity and inspiring stewardship of place. Her interdisciplinary approach was nationally recognized as a Banksia Award winner for the 2019 biodiversity focused Mary Can Cross Scenic Reserve Bio Blitz. In 2021, she designed and delivered Tiny Giants, a multifaceted invertebrate research project in partnership with the Queensland Museum. Liz is also an environmental interpretation writer, curator of eco-art exhibitions, and coordinator of arts-based conservation programs on the Sunshine Coast, Cabby Cabby, and Ginnabara Country. On today's podcast, we'll discuss how creative approaches can be used to engage communities and connect them to their local environment and the long-term social benefits of preserving ecosystems for future generations. Liz, thank you very much for joining us. We're very excited to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So to start off, Liz, could you please just share a bit about your background and then what led to your interest and work in creative approaches to conservation and social impact? Thanks, Indio. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge that I'm calling in from Kabi Kabi country on the Sunshine Coast and just pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. It's a really beautiful part of the world that I live in and I'm continually grateful for the traditional custodians of this area. My background and how I got into this space, I've always been innately creative. I've dabbled in lots of different creative industries from film and TV, animation, music as a musician, sound design, sewing, visual art. And I seemed to find opportunities to bring sustainability and conservation messaging into a lot of the projects where I would wind creative approaches into teaching people about the environment. 
Mm-hmm. I realised quite early on that the environmental crises that we're facing are actually socially constructed. They're social problems and they to do with changing our culture. I studied social science with a community development focus. Interesting, honing in on people and their values, their education, their sense of place and working with people using creative methods to take care of our environment and learn more about it and be more present in it. That led into all sorts of fun projects that included festivals, research projects where I would work with scientists and artists here on the Sunshine Coast but also in Brisbane, so mainly in southeast Queensland but also as a volunteer in Vanuatu. And every project I work on I just meet so many amazing, passionate people And I learn heaps about the subjects that I'm focusing on through those projects, which is always really inspiring. It just gets deeper and deeper the more fun I have. (laughs) The interesting experiences that you've had there. And all of that has led you up to now being the founder and creative producer at Third Nature Projects. So can you tell us a bit more about the agency and its social purpose? The goal of Third Nature Projects is to really push this approach forward in terms of using our creativity to enhance conservation initiatives and education, working a lot with artists and local governments to achieve sustainability and livability goals, but through creative approaches, which audiences and the public communities, they really respond to. My projects are always really well attended and sold out and families and and members of the public are really keen to connect with their local environment and and learn more about it but learn through a language that isn't just data or static text in a report if people are able to come together and have an experience that's really tactile that's really positive that's interpersonal and that's creative, the knowledge about those environments and scientific conservation information actually goes deeper into them and they become stewards of those places and of the species they might be learning about. It's really through having a lot of fun and being quite exploratory. I work a lot in nature play, so with children and families, the idea that children innately want to explore and play and that in natural spaces or botanic gardens they can come together and follow their own curiosity follow their own their fun and exploration and interact with nature and in doing so they make a connection with those places that is embedded in their memories and also in their own sense of self in place really interesting and yeah no yeah you 100 percent did there's so many different activities there at third nature projects and the impact there and that connection that it builds is really clear and, and apparent it's really wonderful and also as you've touched on here your background in that creative space and a lot of your activities at third nature projects try to bring and incorporate creativity into all of the, its activities. So how can creativity be utilised in a way to connect people to their natural habitats and their surrounding ecology? Creative practices, ways of making meaning and making marks and storytelling 
if we can use different mediums to connect people with place and tell the stories of place through painting a particular threatened species or participating in a workshop where they might be constructing a beautiful endangered butterfly or simply learning about catchment processes and hydrology there is something really innate that happens in people where through that process of engaging in, in a creative practice, they connect to that ecology and they become impassioned to stand up for it, to value mm. it more, to actually see it more because something else that creative practices can do is catalyze environmental literacy. There's this incredibly diverse and complex living system that's all around us, but it, it's not interpretable unless we have a language or a way of connecting with it. These practices, some are quite experimental, some are seemingly very simple, but they can render the natural world around us intelligible back to us and our place in it. It's almost like learning a language. As soon as you have words for things, you start to recognise that all the green around you isn't just a wall of green, it's a complex overlapping of different botanical species. And as you learn their names or their role in holding a creek bed together or their role in flowering and it their connection to a bird species or a arboreal mammal that might live in them as a habitat, it starts to become more vivid, beautiful and complex. These ways of developing projects that embed scientific knowledge, First Nations knowledge together in creative experiences render that complex system that's around us more alive, visible, more knowable. As soon as people know about things and have that personal connection with them, it changes our ethics, it changes our value of that system and therefore how we regard it, how we make decisions that are considered towards it. And I think that's really powerful. That's what I hope we achieve with Third Nature Projects. That's a really beautiful overview and explanation of that concept because it's just so important to increase that engagement. I think that you could probably speak to that more than I can. And we've looked at how you can engage people in those activities. But now if we're looking at the why of that, so why is it important to engage communities in nature? And what benefits does this create in either the short term or the long term? We all understand that we live in a time and a place where not to get apocalyptic or doomsday, but there's converging environmental crises underway that seem to also mirror personal and social well-being issues about dislocation or a sense of collapse. Even at this crazy time in 2022, our capacity to look forward and have hope about future generations and our survival I think it's possibly narcissistic to say this, but more than ever, it's absolutely vital that individually and collectively we engage with the places which we belong to, that we take care of them and that we respond appropriately to the emerging evidence that's all around us, that biodiversity is under threat, that climate is changing our actions as humans are having an incredible impact on the very world 
which we depend on for survival. There's that survival in terms of clean water, clean air, provision of healthy food, but more and more there's emerging research around our well-being in connection with nature. So your question about social benefits, people connecting with place, there is a, a positive impact on their own sense of belonging and meaning in landscape and what they're contributing to it and how they are responding to taking care of it. Being a custodian in this time for future generations, that if you are involved in these things and you're taking care of your little patch or you're part of the catchment, it can be very small. It could be your tiny little edible native garden or it could be broader in terms of being involved in riparian restoration in your local creek or broader global issues that you're acting for from a local scale. That's incredibly meaningful and positive for people as individuals. And I find that the networks of people who then come together around caring for place and connecting with place start to build that social fabric and the social capital around taking care of each other as well as taking care of place. It's so interdependent. And from my perspective, that's incredibly vital right now here in this time. It probably always has been vital throughout history. It's just that it's coming to the fore now that we are more and more aware of the imbalance that's occurring because of the scale of change. You can look at it from a response to this incredible threat, which at times can be quite frightening. But if we actually do positive things and enact connection to place, that's actually really healing and moves us through that paralysis of going, I don't know what to do and I feel like everything's falling around me to actually notice what's happening around you, be aware of what is in flower, be aware of what impact your home life or your work life or your actions might be having. That's incredibly positive step to take from the, the circles that I follow and the movements that I'm aware of. More and more people are really connecting in with that and it's mutually beneficial for both people and place really well said and 100% I agree and yeah with all of your activities and everything with third nature projects as well that came out of being an alum at the refinery so a Sunshine Coast based creative business incubator. During this program what was one of the biggest takeaways that you had? I had the incredible pleasure of undertaking the refinery last year on the Sunshine Coast with 15 other awesome creatives. And really one of the biggest takeaways was that a lot of creative entrepreneurs are slogging it out there, doing things on their own, but there's definitely shared challenges and obstacles that we all face as founders and supporting each other in terms of tools and lessons. We all have so many different skills, but we can't be everything. And sometimes when you're running your own business, you have to wear all the hats at once. I think being part of that incubator really networked a lot of people together. Some people were in graphic design and some people were in videography and we all had something to offer each other in terms of skill sharing and bringing our experience to that table. But really one of the biggest things that I got out of the refinery was consolidating what I wanted Third Nature Projects to achieve and understanding my niche in terms of the value that I bring with my expertise and 
pushing this sector forward, this intersection of creative and ecological and community development. And really just giving myself permission to focus on building third nature for the three months during that program. The biggest takeaway for me was self-belief and really going, no, if I want this to be in the world, I need to focus on it. I need to back myself 100% because it's what I believe in. That's so powerful when you're pushing something forward and bringing something into the world that doesn't exist yet is actually to be the one who wholeheartedly backs it and then is able to share that story with others in a way that they can then get inspired by and get behind you and support you. It's great to hear that you got so much value out of that program and it's helped you form and move ahead with Third Nature Projects. And if we're looking at revisiting the environment and conservation, how can people, if you could give one piece of advice for people to more meaningfully connect with their environment and then conserve it for future generations, what would that piece of advice be? I think looking through the eyes of children and the way that they just naturally are in awe of nature. It's because they're curious. I would just say to everyone out there, just maintain curiosity. Curiosity then gives rise to observation and questions. And as you start to take notice and question, then you can dive in to understanding more. I think that's what drives a lot of my excitement behind the projects is that I maintain curiosity as like a superpower. I recently did a big project with Queensland Museum that was all about invertebrates and the study of invertebrates in rainforests. I was just so curious to learn from the scientists who were involved in that project what they knew about invertebrates and then to learn from them that there's so many species and interactions that we don't yet know about in ecology that are endlessly exciting. It's that curiosity that really draws people in and gets them excited. One thing that's really taking off in a big way is citizen science and I really enjoy bringing citizen science into my projects too and a lot of those initiatives, whether they're backyard bird counts or find a frog in February or insect investigators is about inspiring local communities wherever they are to be observant and to record observations and to ignite that curiosity so that more data can be collected and and more can be known on some of our national biodiversity databases to track changes in environment and changes in species behavior or prevalence. So definitely stay curious, keep observing, look out for citizen science opportunities and just take notice because nature is so beautiful and it's constantly changing. I think a lot of people throughout the last couple of years in our different experiences of lockdown or whatnot were really drawn back out to their local environment and maybe the thing that kept them going that one particular day was a a flutter of butterflies that they spent some time with in their backyard when they couldn't go anywhere else or really noticing birdsong that they'd been too busy to to listen to before and then wondering what are those birds how many are there what are they doing and what do their different calls mean that observation is so enriching and each door that you open into each little bit of knowledge just leads into a room with more doors in it and that's incredibly simple in a way but very complex as well people can take that as far as they want 
a few really powerful insights. And I think anyone looking to interact with that natural environment around them can take a lot from those recommendations. So thank you for sharing that, Liz. And we're coming near the end of our interview now. So I've just got two kind of questions just at the end that I want to ask. And the first one is, what other organisations have you seen that you believe are creating a strong social impact and are improving communities? Steering that question towards nature art, which Mm. is green art and ecological creativity, there are a lot of artists who I follow, who I am inspired by and curious about, and some organisations that are really promoting this intersection, so such as ANAT, A-N-A-T, down in Adelaide, certainly some opportunities that are starting to pop up in southeast Queensland a bit more with Curiosity Brisbane and Botanica Brisbane, so Heritage Museum and gallery opportunities are really starting to open up into this space of intersecting with science and place and responding through art to the challenges of our times. For anyone in their local communities to just look out for the land care groups or the monitoring opportunities that might be around them and and reach out to turtle care networks or catchment groups who are monitoring water quality or turtle populations. There's just so many environmental actors on the ground where if more people and particularly creative people can come on board to really amplify their message and innovate the way that work is undertaken. It's hard to pinpoint one, two or three because each of us live in such different places and there's so many people on the ground just slogging away doing work for the environment. And community engagement is a, I wouldn't say struggle, but it's a goal of those organisations to keep connecting with communities. So if that's something you're interested in, reach out to them. And if you're in the creative industries, how can you apply your innovative approach or your way of telling stories through your artwork in partnership with those organisations and really come up with innovative partnerships where the magic can happen? Really great recommendations there for anyone looking to involve themselves in the space more. And to finish off, Liz, what books or resources would you recommend for our listeners? Ask me next week, I might have a different answer. But um, <laughs> at the moment, I'm reading Sand Talk by Tyson Yunker Porter. I'm rereading it actually. That's an incredible book from a First Nations perspective, looking at systems theory, sustainability, and definitely this cultural ecological connection. I mentioned earlier, I work with children a lot. I think that adults should still stay connected to children's picture books because they're just golden. I was just reading again recently Uno's Garden by Graham Bass, which is a really simple fantasy story about the imbalance that can happen when humans come and take over the environment and biodiversity slowly declines and how we can keep monitoring and keep our eyes open and keep valuing and save seeds, save species and live in balance It's a very simple story, but obviously beautiful, captivating illustrations for children to gaze at for hours. Really lovely resources there. And for all of those books, organisations, initiatives and other resources that you've mentioned throughout the podcast, they'll be linked in at the end of the article. So once people have either listened to our conversation or how to read through the transcript, they'll be able to click on through to all of those and see these things that you've recommended. And that actually brings us up to the end of our interview. And I just want to say, 
on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for sharing your generous insights and your time with us. It's really amazing to have had you talk about all of these amazing things you're doing with Bird Nature Projects and just to give us some more amazing observations about that space around the environment and conservation. We just really, really appreciate your time and thank you so much and all the best in the future, Liz. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.